Hey, morning. Welcome everybody. Man, 930 service back in action. Good to see you guys. Um, This is my first time back for our three service uh, Sundays and uh, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, Man, life was good. All right, uh, ushers, come on down. Let's take the offering. And while they uh, pass those baskets, let me share a couple things with you before we get to the message this morning. A couple reasons to celebrate today. Excuse me. Number one is um, Operation Christmas Child. We collected our uh, shoeboxes last week. You all, as always, so generous with, uh, with putting together those boxes and shipping them out and, and helping be a part of that. This year, the count was uh, about 1,800 boxes went out from this church family to uh, go all around the world. So well done. Well done. That is, uh, that's no small thing. That's 1,800 kids somewhere in the world who could really use some joy and some practical stuff too. So thanks for being a part of that. That is awesome. Um, 1,800 boxes. My thanks to the team, Joe and Tina, Jackie and Mike, and everyone who packed and loaded and drove the truck, all those things. So appreciate you and your work for that. Um, Also want to share, you know, this last Thursday was uh, Thanksgiving. Pretty big day. For most of us, pretty busy day. And yet uh, many of you signed up to be a part of our meal service at our North Ave campus both in person and helping to deliver meals out of uh, our partnership with St. Mark's Catholic Church just up the road there on North Ave. And uh, this year, between in-person service and deliveries, we served about 950 individuals with meals. So um, thank you. These things really matter, and you guys are, uh, you do it well. You give, you serve, and I'm thankful for that. And the people, those 950 individuals who received meals that day are thankful to you as well for that. Last thing I want to mention before we get into the message today is uh, next Sunday, our good buddy Mike Ferris is going to be back. Uh, If you're scratching your head, Mike Ferris, you'll remember uh, the potter who was here just a few weeks ago with his clay and his wheel and doing his thing. He'll be back next uh, Sunday to share a follow-up message to that first message. Now, he's not coming with his, uh, with his pottery stuff this time, but he's coming uh, to share with us again. And I encourage you, invite people into that. This is, uh, uh, these are opportunities when we have speakers like Mike come and share the gospel where uh, it can make a big impact in people's lives, people you know and love. So invite them. Say, hey, come with me to church that day. It's going to be a special day. Uh, so please be inviting people to be here that day and be a part of that. <clears throat> You'll excuse me. I'm going to apologize in advance. I've, got a, a, I've been fighting a cough for a couple of weeks. So if I, if I start hacking it up, you'll, uh, your grace will abound. I know it. So... Um, <clears throat> Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. I really do. Uh, our house, our Thanksgiving was a little split this year. Um, wife and one kid flew. Matt and another kid, no flu. It's been, been spared from that somehow. So uh, sickos got to stay home and, uh, and miss out while uh, me and uh, the younger boy, Levi, went to some friend's house and, and ate a lot of food. Uh, too much food way too much food, and now my fridge, despite the fact that we, we didn't host or anything, is full of leftovers that I'm never going to be able to finish. So uh, I'm, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving too. Um, every year at Thanksgiving, I go through this, like, this battle in my soul. I feel this tension uh, that grows in me, and this tension exists between um, do I want to host Thanksgiving this year, or do I want to be hosted for Thanksgiving this year? And this is a real battle I fight, and I know many of you are probably thinking the same thing, because it's my first thought, too, is, uh, Matt, being hosted is so much better than hosting. 
There's way less to do. You can watch football. You can uh, put your feet up. You can, uh, you know, offer to help, but secretly hope they say, no, we don't need any help, right? And, um, and uh, there's no dishes. Man, those dishes are a nightmare. But uh, not hosting sounds so great. But the truth is, I really like to host. I like to host and have people in my home, make them feel comfortable and welcome. No, you put your feet up. No, you watch my 65-inch high-def TV and uh, update me on the score as it goes while I'm in here, you know, based in the turkey. Uh, So I have this battle. I really like to host. But really, I like to host because uh, I like to be in control. I want to be in control. Me. My wife and I in the kitchen, man, we we are like... We are like a symphony at work. I mean, it is just marvelous. We are in this beautiful dance of cooking and and moving. And it's like, man, the energy is just magnificent. And um, I want to be in control of that because I don't trust whoever wants to host me that you're going to make as good a food as me and Taylor can make. Okay? I have trust issues. I know. It's a a problem. But um, uh, I have trust issues. Last year, we traveled for Thanksgiving. Uh, and we were hosted last year. And um, now I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, name any names, or call someone out for, for something they did wrong while hosting us, but uh, that wouldn't be very nice. But my mom, she uh, cooked the turkey. She cooked the turkey upside down last year. Well, they took the turkey out of the oven. Everything was perfectly timed. My kids, me and my wife, and my, you know, my two 90-year-old grandmas are sitting at the table, you know, and 90-year-old grandmas uh, sometimes can get a little impatient, and, you know, especially when my dad's uh, mom is watching my mom cook, and she's stressing out the whole time. And uh, we, the table's all set. The sides are all done. The bird's about to be carved. And I'm looking at my dad about to carve the bird, and I'm like, that turkey's upside down. Something's not right here. He's having trouble. So we look, and yeah, it was upside down. And, uh, you know, we turn it over, and no, we can't serve this turkey. That part, the part you want to eat, the, you know, the meat, it's not cooked yet. It's uh, still pink juice flowing out of that bad boy. So my mom said, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, mom, it's okay. We love you. Appreciate it. Put it back in the oven. And we just had a dinner of sides. It was great, right? Sweet potatoes and mashed potatoes and stuffing and gravy, but... Um, no turkey. So uh, comes time to pie, and we take the turkey out. Thing looks great. Um, and we, we cut into it, and guys, I, I'm not kidding when I say this. It was the juiciest turkey I've ever had in my life. It was like all the juices dripped down into the meat, and then, you know, you turn it over brown. I mean, it was fantastic. But turkey and pumpkin pie isn't quite as good as turkey and mashed potatoes, right? So... So maybe I have some trust issues. I don't know. Not going to blame my mom. Nope. Not blaming my parents. But, uh, but maybe they're the reason. I don't know. Uh, truth is, we like to host. Taylor and I, we like to have people in our homes, serve people, make food. It's something we enjoy. I think we're okay at it. And uh, it's just part of our life. It's part of our, our routine and what we, what we enjoy doing. Now, um, The word that we usually use when we think of like hosting people, inviting them into our space, feeding them, caring for them, right? The word we typically use, talk about this, is the word hospitality. All right, you've heard this word before, hospitality. And when we hear the word hospitality, we probably think of exactly what I've described, of welcoming people into our space, our home, our church, 
the spaces we feel comfortable. You know, we have a hospitality team here at church. Maybe you're a part of that. Maybe you didn't even know that. But we have people who brew coffee and help you find a seat and open doors and shake your hand and, and all that good stuff. Those are hospitality team. The team dedicated to making you feel welcome and comfortable when you come into our space, the church. So when we think about hospitality, conventionally, that's what we think about, right? Is inviting people into our space where we feel comfortable. But this morning, I want to think about hospitality with a little broader definition because I think and I believe hospitality is more than an event of having someone over or Sundays coming to church, the event. I think hospitality is more of a mindset than an event. And I want us to think about hospitality in that way. Taylor, my wife, she is a master of hospitality. That's who she is. She uh, works in the hospitality industry. She does it for a career. She has a degree in hospitality management. And she's not a master because she's done those things. She does those things because of who she is. She's a very hospitable and caring person. Um, now, if we were to limit our definition of hospitality to just the event of having someone over, you'll find Taylor and I, we're, we're kind of just okay at it. We're just okay at it, right? We, we've got two crazy boys who uh, make, a, make a mess of the place. We've got a big dog who sheds hair everywhere. And as soon as you walk in the door, he's, he is going to jump on you, okay? That's just gonna happen. So when you come in our home, our, our view and how we practice hospitality, it's, it's not bringing out the fancy china. We don't own any of that, so we can't bring it out. And uh, it's not... Um, my kids in bow ties welcoming you with a fresh glass of cucumber water as you walk in the door. <laughs> our view and how we practice hospitality is very raw and it's very simple. You're in our house, you're one of us now, right? Open the fridge, grab a blanket, kick your shoes off. You're one of us. That's how we kind of go about hospitality. Yeah, we tidy up, we vacuum and all that, you know, stuff. But you come in, you're one of us. Now, the reason I say that my wife is a master of hospitality, and this is just a, for instance, an example, is because wherever she goes, wherever she's with, she always is intentional, and I think it's natural, but it's always intentional too, of helping people feel comfortable and welcomed wherever they are. When we're out of town and we're, we're traveling, we're visiting family, we're on vacation, and if we're there over a Sunday, we'll, we'll go to church. And this happens, this happens without fail every time we visit another church. We'll be at church, and uh, church will end, and I'll lose my wife, right? She's gone. And I look, and she's talking to someone in the corner and talking to some people, and, and I'll catch up with her later. And I'll say, hey, who are you talking to over there? And she was like, oh, that, that, was, um, that was Jane. Uh, this was her first Sunday at this church. So I found the pastor and I connected them and I made, you know, and she does, that's what she does. And I can't, rec- I mean, this happens every single time we go visit a church. It's how she is, it's what she does. She's on the lookout and she's also a magnet for it. She, uh, and so um, this is, and she, and if she doesn't feel comfortable in a setting, she always works with that person to help them feel comfortable where she is. I believe biblical hospitality looks like this mindset. Having guests into your home, making people feel comfortable in the spaces we feel comfortable in, that's good, right? That's something we should be doing and and work hard to do. But biblical hospitality is a mindset. And the definition of hospitality I want to work from today is this. This is my definition for hospitality. Hospitality is helping people feel at home wherever they are. 
Hospitality is helping people feel at home wherever they are. Whatever environment you're in, whether it's at home, the grocery store, the airport, your church, a different church, wherever, hospitality is helping people feel at home wherever they are, right then and there. Helping people to know and understand that you're not a stranger, you're a friend. You're an advocate, not an adversary. And if you don't quite know what's going on, helping them figure it out and doing that together. Hospitality is helping people feel at home wherever they are. Now, if we look at hospitality from a theological point of view and even from a human heart point of view too, I think there exists a strong tension that many Christians might feel when it comes to hospitality. God calls us to hospitality, and we'll get into that in a minute, but God also calls us Christians, his people, to holiness. And there's a tension that exists between hospitality and holiness. Holiness is clean. Hospitality is messy. Holiness is pure. Hospitality is complicated. Holiness means to be separate and different from everybody else. Hospitality means we entangle our lives with often broken and messy people. Holiness requires discipline and self-control and hospitality requires flexibility. Meeting people on their terms often. There's a tension between these two things. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5, he says, blessed are the pure of heart for they will see God. Holiness is a requirement for being in God's presence because he is holy. Here's what uh, Hebrews 7 describes Jesus, our high priest, says that he is one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. It's holiness, separate, different, clean, pure. God calls people to holiness But God also calls people to radical hospitality, to, he calls us to be pure and blameless and to find ourselves entangled in the mess of people, bringing them into our spaces, our homes, our churches, our lives, and wherever we are, helping them feel at home with us. So as I think about that, I think perhaps holiness isn't so much about keeping your own robes white as it is about offering your robe to someone whose robe is stained and torn. If you look in the Bible, the word hospitality is only mentioned seven times in the New Testament. Only seven times. But the concept, the idea of welcoming people, caring for people, bringing them into our lives and relationship, making them feel at home, is, it's all throughout the Old and New Testaments, even if that word is not used to describe it. In the Old Testament... We'll start there. Hospitality was both a strong expectation of the culture in the ancient Near Eastern world. It was also a command and expectation that God had specifically for his people, the Israelites. The cultural expectation in the ancient Near East was that you were to show hospitality to anyone who comes knocking. That world was and still is, it's dry and arid and desert and it's often hard to find basic needs like water and food and shelter. If a stranger comes to your door, 
the expectation culturally was you would welcome them in. You'd give them water, you'd give them food, you'd give them shelter, without question. And if you failed to do those things, there were cultural consequences that you would suffer because of it. But God's command and expectation of his people in that culture was even more intense and more radical. God's expectation of his people wasn't simply just to feed and welcome people in, though that's part of it. But his expectation of the Israelites was to make non-Israelites feel so welcomed among them that they themselves felt like they were one of them. Here's God's command to his people in Leviticus 19. This is, um, this is the law. This is God's law for his people. He says in verse 33, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And there's more commands and examples of what God has to say about hospitality in the Old Testament, but these verses, I think, hit the heart of hospitality. God's people are to be so radically welcoming to outsiders that they don't even know they're outsiders. He says here, treat them as native-born. Love them as yourself. Why? Because... You know, Israel, what it's like to be an outsider. The Israelites spent hundreds of years as outsiders, enslaved in Egypt. They were an ethnic minority in Egypt, and because of that, they were vulnerable, and they were mistreated, and they were enslaved to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. Foreigners in a foreign land. They knew what it was like to not be welcomed in the land that they lived But God rescued them from that, from the exodus. And he says to them, you're going to be different, my people, because I'm different. Make the outsider feel like an insider. Make the foreigner feel native born. Love everyone the same and show everyone the same favor because, as God says, that's what I, the Lord, have done for you. The heart of hospitality is God's heart. The hearts of people who follow God should mirror God's heart. Our values should mirror his values. The heart of hospitality is extending to others what has been extended to you by God himself. Welcomed into his presence, into his kingdom. We are to welcome people in turn. That was God's command to his people in the Old Testament. And if you turn the pages to the New Testament, you'll find that those expectations don't change. In fact, they get a little more intense. When we read the words of Jesus and the rest of the writings of the New Testament, we find that what the Old Testament says about hospitality is affirmed. But the New Testament adds some key thoughts for us to consider around the importance of hospitality and what it accomplishes and why we're supposed to do it. So let me offer three, three things that the New Testament says about hospitality. Let me highlight three things for us. The first thing I want to highlight is that the New Testament tells us that when we show hospitality to people, especially to strangers, we're actually serving God directly by doing that. Matthew chapter 25, 
Jesus is going to be arrested and put to death soon. And he's in the middle of saying some things to his uh, disciples. And important things, all right? I'm about to go. Here's some things I want you to know before I'm gone. And in Matthew 25, he tells this, um, he tells this parable. We call it, know it as the parable of the sheep and the goats. And in this parable, it says that when God uh, comes to finally, you know, end times, God's going to come. And he's going to separate everybody into two groups. There's going to be one group on his right, and he's going to call them sheep. There's one group on his left, he's going to call them goats. Okay? Separate them into two groups. These groups are different. He says to his group on his right, the sheep, he says, hey, you are blessed, and you can enter the kingdom of heaven. And they say, why? Why why are we blessed, and why can we enter the kingdom of heaven? And here's what he says in verse 35. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. And then the people on his right, he calls the righteous. They're gonna answer him and say, when did we do those things, Lord? We didn't see you hungry and feed you. We didn't see you thirsty. We didn't see you stranger. When did we do that for you? And Jesus replies in verse 40. He says that truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. When we serve people, we serve God directly. People on his left, he says, you didn't do these things. You didn't feed or clothe or welcome. Bye-bye. You don't want to be on that left group. Jesus says when we serve strangers, when we show hospitality to strangers, to invite them in, to clothe and feed and care. When we do that for strangers, we're doing it for him. Kind of ups the expectation, doesn't it? Second thing, the New Testament says about hospitality is that hospitality is an opportunity for ministry. At the end of the book of Acts, Paul has found himself imprisoned. And he's, um, he's been captured and he appeals to, to Caesar to have a trial before him as was right as a citizen of Rome. So he's with his Roman captors and they're going to sail from the, um, from the Middle East to uh, Rome, through the Mediterranean Sea. And as they're sailing, a storm comes and they're shipwrecked. And they wash ashore on the island of Malta. And um, here's something that happens after they wash ashore there on Malta. This is Acts 28, verses uh, 7 through 10. It says that there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous, uh, generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. So Paul, he's on the receiving end of what is described here as generous hospitality for three days. So whether you're receiving hospitality, providing hospitality, principle is the same here. Hospitality is an opportunity for ministry. When someone's a stranger, what sort of access do you typically give them? They probably have a little bit lower access to you than friends and family do, right? Maybe you invite them into your home 
And if you live on a, in a two-story home like we do, um, yeah, first floor is all right. Living room, couch, kitchen, all that good stuff. Um, upstairs, where uh, my dirty laundry is and where my toothbrush is, I don't want you to see that. You're not going upstairs. First floor, all good. Second floor, no good, right? There's a certain amount of access we usually give to strangers. Hospitality changes that. Paul is here with, um, in this guy's home, and it says his father is sick in bed with a fever and dysentery. You know what one of the uh, symptoms of dysentery is? I'm going to say it. Severe. I looked this up. The word severe was used. Severe diarrhea. All right, your pastor said diarrhea. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Move past it. Uh, if I was suffering from dysentery, and you better believe I don't want you coming in to see me, okay? That's a vulnerable place to be. That's a gross place to be. I don't want anyone to see me. If I was at home sick in bed, if my wife was home sick in bed, I wouldn't want anyone to go see her if she was in that state. But Paul, after three days of being shown generous hospitality, his access has changed. Something about being in the space, being made to feel at home with this official who he'd not met, just a couple wash ashores. Paul has access to someone who is severely sick because of the hospitality being practiced. And what happens? Prayer and healing and ministry. Hospitality is an offer of access. And with access comes opportunity. Opportunity to share stories, to offer words of encouragement, words of challenge, access to pray for somebody, often in desperate situations. Access comes from hospitality and brings opportunity for ministry. Third thing the New Testament says about hospitality that I want to highlight for us is that being hospitable, practicing hospitality, is actually a requirement for anyone to be a leader in the church. If you are going to lead God's people in a spiritual sense, hospitality is a requirement. Everywhere in the New Testament, it talks about the requirements and the prerequisites for being considered a, a leader in the church, a deacon, an overseer, a, uh, an elder, any of those words, hospitality is central to that list of leadership qualities. Titus chapter one, verses seven and eight talks about this. It says, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Those are negative qualities. Don't be this way. And then he says in verse eight, rather, here's the positive qualities. He must be hospitable. One who loves what's good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Being hospitable is the first quality mentioned on this list, the positive qualities for being a leader in the church. Hospitality is not just a nice thing to do. It's a requirement that God has for his people because it's God's heart. It's a mirror of God's heart that we were welcomed radically into his kingdom so we are to welcome others radically into our lives and relationships. The God who rescued Israel from Egypt and welcomed them as his people asks us to do the same. Help people feel at home wherever you are. 
It matters. Now, there are a lot of ways to do this, a lot of ways to practice and show hospitality to people. Uh, I'm not going to spend time uh, going into specifics of how. I think we can all try to figure that out in our own context and lives. We've all got different stuff going on. But I do want to talk about the rest of our time together today about... about what hospitality accomplishes and how it accomplishes things for different groups of people and relationships that we all have. Um, Hospitality is going to look different depending on who you're with. Uh, I'm going to show you something now uh, that I've created. Yes, uh, be in awe. I've created this um, called the Circles of Hospitality. Now, before I show you this graphic, I want you to know two things. Number one, I am not a graphic designer. So before you get all judgy, so you're like, I could have done better. Yeah, I know, okay? I know. I do my best. And in fact, for me, my skill level, I think I did an okay job, all right? And the second thing is, uh, this is very simple. This is not exhaustive. It's not nuanced. It's a very simplified thing. So I'll ask you now to put that uh, circles of hospitality up on the screen for us. Boom! <laughs> I uh, made a slide in PowerPoint and then exported it as a JPEG, so... I think I did okay. I think I did all right. Um, Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, you get it, right? The further in you are, the closer you are, the further out you are, the, um, the less familiar you are. Family and friends right in the center. People you know and are known by. Acquaintances kind of in that second level. People that you know but don't really have a relationship with, right? You see them at work, you talk sports, friend of a friend, that kind of stuff. And then uh, strangers, way out in the stratosphere. Total strangers, no one I know who they are. (coughs) Uh, You get the idea, right? People in the center are gonna have more access and familiarity with you, naturally. You know, we have uh, close friends. We don't live near family here in Vermont. Um, Closest family is five hours away. So here in Vermont, we do have some friends who are like family to us. And uh, they have such, they have access. I don't know how they got this kind of access to our home, but every time I come home from somewhere, like one of their kids is running around uh, causing havoc. Their socks kicked over here. Uh, You know, there's uh, coats and food and everything left in our house. And we do the same to them. Uh, That access is very natural for people who are in that center circle. You feel like family, you feel at home together, it's, it's natural. The further out you go, the more intentional you have to be in your relationships to show love, care, support, and hospitality to those people. To acquaintances, it can be awkward. And total strangers, it can be really awkward. It takes effort and intentionality to dig in and show a true hospitality to someone that you barely know or don't know at all. You get the idea. Uh, I'm going to show you another very, uh, very complicated graphic I made. Still the circles of hospitality, but this one, we're going to look at it more in a spiritual sense, okay? Again, don't judge. Very simple. Here we go. Show that second one. Yeah. Perfect. So for Christians, for Jesus following people, this is our spiritual circles of hospitality. In the middle the people closest to you in relationship and to your faith, which is a very big part of who you, who you are, are the believers that you know, your fellow Christians that you have a relationship with. In that second circle, out, I've got two groups of people in that circle. There's the believers that you don't know, people you share faith with but don't have a relationship with, and friends uh, that aren't, don't share your faith. They share a relationship with you, but they don't share faith with you. And I group them together, again, simplified, because each of those groups 
shares something with you and misses something with you. So they're in that second circle. And then, uh, again, stratosphere, total strangers, people you don't know. This is our spiritual circles of hospitality. Um, I want to look at each of these circles a little bit. Who's there and what hospitality accomplishes in uh, each of those circles. So in the center, we'll start there. We have the uh, believers that you know, the people you share so much with. You share life, you share relationship, and you share your faith. That's a pretty big piece of the pie. These are people that, um, that you know and you are known by. They know your heart, they know your passions, they know your shortcomings. Even if you don't think they know your shortcomings, they know your shortcomings, and they're on your side. There's very, very few places to hide from these people. And often there's no reason to because you each have each other's best interests at heart. <coughs> First Peter chapter four, verses eight and nine says this. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality often is not a chore for people in that center circle. It's a natural outworking of your relationship and your love for each other, given and received. For people in our center circle, hospitality accomplishes discipleship. This is where discipleship most naturally and easily occurs. When people who are on the same page as you in life, in faith, who know you well, have the relational and spiritual access to you, They can encourage you and challenge you, and you can do that for them. The work of hospitality over time, and even in specific moments, helps you feel at home with these people, and because of that, there's access to each other. When I was in my early 20s, before Taylor and I were married, I was visiting one of my uh, center circle people, my friend Corey. We grew up together. Uh, Played in bands together, went to church together, served together, went on mission trips together, all that stuff. This guy, Corey, he's my brother in a very real sense of the word. Uh, But at at that time, he had recently moved, moved to a city a couple hours away. And I went to visit him for a weekend. And uh, we were there and I was, um, I was, I had known God had called me to ministry, but I was in a place of, of kind of pursuing that where I was starting to feel Ah, a little bit of self-doubt come in and some issues with, with my, uh, you know, how I uh, was disciplined and following Jesus and all this. And I was really in a place of starting to doubt, like, can I do this? Should I do this? Am I meant for this? So I go visit Corey. And, I, you know, I'm thinking we're just going to go and hang out as bros and do our thing. And um, I, I go visit him. And, we, you know, when you visit someone for an extended period of time, usually the first few hours, it's, it's laughing and catching up and, and uh, you know, the young guys were goofing off and just like telling jokes and, and giving each other a hard time and walking around the city eating too much food. Happened a lot. Ate too much food a lot. But we, uh, you know, we're, we're doing that. But because we were together for an extended time for a weekend, um, that access, we were able to tap into that. We're at his, uh, back at his apartment after spending a few hours just hanging out, having, having fun, going out to eat and stuff. And, and we're talking and we start to press in together on some of those deeper things, those spiritual things. And Corey starts to press in to me about ministry and, and all those things. And I'm starting to express where I'm at. And, and his roommates come home. 
three other guys. We're, we're like, okay, we, <laughs> we're going to continue this conversation. We've got to go elsewhere. So we climbed out his window and went up on the roof of his apartment building. And um, I have a very vivid memory I have where we sat there and he shared some things with me and I shared some things with him and, and he continued to challenge me in that moment. Um, so that's where discipleship happens. And that, that moment was very important for me and Corey was able to be a part of that because of our relationship, yes, but also because we were in this extended time together where, where access was granted due to the hospitality he was showing me and the love he was showing me, the care he was showing me, having an extended time together in his space, helping me feel at home with him. We were able to dig into some discipleship. And when we practice hospitality in the center circle with those people, that's where discipleship happens. It doesn't have to be a weekend stay or anything like that. But those people have more easily available and ready access to you and you to them. And when we show hospitality, help each other feel at home, that's where discipleship, vulnerability, truth, access can happen. Discipleship happens there. If we move out to the next circle, that second circle, there's two groups are. Believers you don't know and uh, friends who don't share your faith. Again, put together because each one of those groups shares something and misses something with you. In this circle, hospitality accomplishes opportunity, opportunity for ministry. With believers that you don't know, (coughs) hospitality gives an opportunity for partnership, for support, and to have a vision for what God is doing outside of your life and your kind of center circle people. Here's what uh, 3 John verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 and 8 say. It says, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. Brothers and sisters who are strangers to you. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Every time I travel, and I've had a, a few opportunities to do this, travel to visit excuse me, missionaries, other pastors, ministry leaders in other areas, churches. No matter where I go in the world and find myself with, when I'm with other Christians, even if I have no idea who they are, I just met them, there's a sense of family that I feel very, pretty much right away with those people. It's a deep sense of family. Um, A few years ago, I had the privilege of being in the Dominican Republic in a remote part of the country. Um, the church I was at before moving here to Vermont uh, had about 12 years prior to me being there partnered with a church planner and uh, helped plant an alliance church down there in this remote part of the Dominican Republic. And when I say remote, I mean remote. This was an area uh, up in the mountains close to the Haitian border. Um, The hotel and the place we were staying was about an hour drive from where the church was. And uh, I, I mean this when I say it, the people that lived in that area, the only white people they'd ever seen were the groups from our church that had gone down over the years to be a part of this ministry and and planning this church. It's a very remote part of the country. Um, So we're there, on a group of us, about a dozen of us from our church on Cape Cod went down to uh, do some work on the church building, but to spend time with uh, the pastor and his wife and to uh, do some help train and some evangelism for their, their people there. Excuse me. And uh, the pastor's name's Eduardo. His wife's name's Vanessa. Okay. 
Eduardo speaks very little English and Vanessa speaks no English. Okay, so we're there at this church and it's Sunday and we're at church celebrating with them and then after church, they have us over for lunch, our group. And they lived in a small house, um, wasn't much more than a concrete, you know, concrete rectangle with a kitchen and living room, a couple bedrooms and a bathroom and then a, a, a backyard, a little backyard. So a small place, Eduardo, Vanessa, their young son, whose name I don't remember. And uh, they had us over for dinner or for lunch after church. And there's 12 of us Americans there. We have one of us knows Spanish and is translating. And um, uh, Vanessa, she made us a very generous, this big pot of uh, Sancocho, which if you know, is, it's a stew. And uh, you know, different places you go at different recipes, a big stew. And we're a bunch of, you know, we're a bunch of whiteies from Cape Cod and we're there and we, we're looking at this stew. It smells great, but the teenagers that are with us, they're like, what's in this thing? We have no idea. We, we just don't know. And, and we're like, you're going to eat it. You're going to eat the stew, you know? <laughs> and um, it's delicious. It was absolutely delicious. I, I, and it's just what you want on a hot day, right? It's a big pot of stew, so it was great. But we're in, um, <coughs> we're in their house, we're eating, and, and um, you know, it's hard, like, when there's a language barrier and you're speaking through a uh, translator. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but it, it's a little clunky. It can be a little awkward. And we're sitting there eating, and, you know, we come in, and we sit, and, you know, those first few moments is like, uh, well, you know, a little tentative. And Vanessa, she's sitting there with us, but she's not eating. We're all eating, and we're like, Vanessa, grab some food, grab some food. And she's, no, 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 no. And then it, it's made known to us that uh, this is a cultural practice that the wife will not eat until everyone else has eaten, to make sure we all had our fill before she, she eats. Well, one way they practice hospitality. So um, despite our best efforts, she waited for us to finish. But as time goes on, right, we're there, we're eating, the tensions loosen, and, and we all start laughing, having a good time. And, and then when we finish, we move outside to the backyard, and they have these couple of big fruit trees that we sat under. And I, t- I can't tell you enough how beautiful that experience was of sitting outside with Eduardo and Vanessa, having been served a delicious meal, sitting together, sharing something very big with each other, even though I had never met them before. We shared stories of life and ministry. How can we help you? How can you help us? Like, what can we be praying for? And hours went by. Kids are playing with the, you know, teenagers are playing with their kid and we're having conversation. It was just a beautiful, beautiful time of encouragement and partnership made possible by the hospitality we were shown and the access that comes with that to Eduardo and Vanessa. And that's what hospitality accomplishes when we're, shown and showing it to our fellow believers, even if we have no idea, we've never met them before. You share something big. There's a sense of family. And very quickly, very quickly, tensions can ease, access can be granted, and there can be great joy in sharing life in Jesus together. Opportunity for ministry to each other in that way. And with the other group in that circle... Friends who who don't share your faith, hospitality also offers opportunity for ministry. Now, we don't want to bait and switch people. That's not what I'm saying. We're not going to be like, hey, come over for some food. Ha ha, gotcha, right? And and, uh, share Jesus with them. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't want to be those kind of people. But hospitality, inviting people in to that feel-at-home sort of mindset, there is an openness that comes to you, right? There's an openness that comes from them to you because you are showing them care and love and support and giving them that access. 
And if Jesus is a part of you and your story, there's going to be an openness to Jesus because there's an openness to you. Opportunity comes from ministry when we show hospitality to people. Going back to the book of Acts, chapter 16, Paul and his companion Silas, his traveling buddy, his ministry buddy, they were imprisoned. Paul gets imprisoned a lot. He's in prison, all right? They're behind bars, and they're singing hymns in this prison, singing hymns to God, which I can imagine for everyone else in the prison was probably pretty annoying, but they're doing it. Um, just an aside, I, I, I cringe at those videos of people on airplanes, like singing and bothering everyone else. That's something I hate. So I like sympathize very much with the people around Paul and be like, you know, hey, stop it. Um, but they're in this prison singing hymns and um, that night an earthquake comes and it destroys the prison. All the gates open up. And what I would do, and maybe what you would do is, I'm out of here, right? Get to escape. Paul and Silas don't run, they stay. The jailer, his job is to keep the prisoners in the prison. He sees the earthquake has come to open up all the, all the, all the doors. He knows uh, this is not gonna go well for him. He fail, failing at his duties. So he's gonna kill himself. Just save himself to shame and punishment. But Paul and Silas, they didn't leave. They're men of integrity and character. And they say, no, we're still here, we're still here which I can imagine for this jailer was jarring. Quite a surprise. Wait, these two people who are imprisoned, singing hymns to God all night long, these God people, they stayed. And then the jailer, seeing their character, this is what happens in Acts 16. It says that they, Paul and Silas, spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Seeing their character, their integrity, who they are, I believe opened the door to the one they worshiped and followed. The jailer invites them into his home, shows them hospitality, washes their wounds, feeds them, and Paul and Silas have an opportunity for ministry. Why didn't these two Jesus followers run? I'm sure the jailer had to ask himself that. What makes them different? And his hospitality opened the doors for ministry. That's what can happen in the second circle. Now in that final circle, the strangers, the total strangers, people you don't know, they don't know you. What does hospitality accomplish with strangers? Well, it accomplishes two things. First thing, it accomplishes something for you. It accomplishes your obedience and faithfulness to God's call. God's people are called and commanded to welcome the stranger, to make the foreigner feel like one of us, like Leviticus says. Or Matthew 25 says that what you did for the least of these, you did for me. Or what uh, Hebrews 13 says, that don't forget to show hospitality to strangers because some of you, having done that, have entertained angels without knowing it. It's a call of faithfulness to God's command to show hospitality to strangers. You know, you know the word hospitality that we translate in the New Testament in English, hospitality, it's a Greek word, compound word of two different words. It's the word philozenia, that's a big word. Philo, one word, meaning love. Xenia, 
Second word meaning stranger or foreigner. That word, squished together, means love for the stranger. That's what that word hospitality means in the Bible. Love for the stranger, in that word. God says, do it. And when, you're, when you do, your faithfulness and your obedience is accomplished. Your heart mirrors God's heart. Showing love to the stranger is a mirror of the gospel. That while we were still sinners, while we were still strangers and alienated from God, what did God do? He died for our sins. He welcomed us into relationship and eternity with him. And when we welcome strangers, people alienated from us, strange to us, when we welcome them into our homes, our relationships, that mirrors the gospel in a very practical way. Our hearts mirror God's heart and our acts of hospitality, they're little mirrors of the gospel for people. So when you do it, you're faithful to that call. And as you show love to the stranger, they become less strange right? They don't stay in that outer orbit, but showing love to the stranger, welcoming them in, brings them closer to the center circle. And with that, everything that comes, access, opportunity, and discipleship. When we show hospitality to strangers. (coughs) Hospitality is a powerful tool. It is a powerful tool we have. Ministry happens when we open our spaces and our hearts to people, no matter what their relationship is to us. Hospitality changes those relationships and opens the door to deeper intimacy, to friendship, and a chance for ministry and discipleship to happen in our homes, in our lives, wherever we are helping people feel at home. Hospitality, it breaks down barriers. It helps strangers be less strange and often brings much needed joy and light into people's lives which are so often marked by darkness. So I want to challenge us, church, in the coming uh, month, right? We've moved through Thanksgiving. We're into the Christmas season. It's not December yet, but I know half of you already have your Christmas trees and decorating everything. Yeah, it's up, right? The lights are on. Um, You've got your Christmas trees, okay? I know it. So as we go into this Christmas season, I want to challenge us to do something, church. I want all of us, challenge us to do something together. Me too. I'm included in this. Here's my challenge. Over this next month, in this Christmas season, my challenge is that we be intentional and showing hospitality to at least one person in each of those three circles. Each of us, three people, different circles, showing hospitality, helping someone feel at home wherever they are, whether they're a family member or friend, a believer we don't know, maybe someone in this room, a friend that we have that doesn't share our faith, and to a total stranger. Show hospitality. One person in each of those three circles. Dig in with some fellow Christians. Make space for discipleship to happen through your hospitality. Connect with someone who doesn't share your faith. and See what opportunities come for ministry. Sharing Jesus and what he's done in your life and in the environment that you've made to feel like home to that person. And the hardest one, I think, the stranger. Someone that you don't know. It could be hard. Welcome them. Show care and support for someone who doesn't feel at home with you and you don't feel at home with them. But break down those barriers and your acts of hospitality 
and see how your relationship with them changes and moves them in to a place of opportunity or maybe even discipleship with you. If we, church, can be intentional about this, and each of us be intentional with one person in each of those circles, each of us having three people whose lives that we impact over the next month. I mean, look around the room. There's three services we have at our church, all with these seats filled. Our North Ave campus, people watching online, we have the opportunity literally to impact thousands of lives through our generous acts of hospitality. And if we are faithful to God's call, and if we accept the challenge, I think God's gonna do some amazing things that you'll feel and certainly those people will feel as well. God can do some big things through your faithfulness. So I asked church, would you join me in this effort? Would you join me in this and be intentional? One person from each circle. Start there. Make someone feel at home with you and let's see what God does through our acts of hospitality, mirroring his heart, and showing the gospel of welcoming people in just like God has done for us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> God, um, I'm thankful that you look at me and so many of us in this room and we are not strangers to you. But you have welcomed us into relationship called us sons and daughters and given us a forever home in your presence in the kingdom of heaven. God, would you equip each of us in whatever ways you see fit and whatever opportunities and relationships that are before us to mirror your heart and to be, be people who intentionally on the lookout for where we can help people feel at home wherever they are. And God, with that, we know you can do some great things. You can move people forward in discipleship. You can bring opportunity to hear about Jesus for the first time and what he's done in our lives. Opportunity to partner with other Christians and other believers we didn't even know beforehand and feel a great sense of family with them and to turn strangers into friends. Help us have the strength and courage to follow your call of radical hospitality, mirroring your heart, showing your gospel to people in our circles. Thank you, God, for the opportunities. We look forward to this season and this month leading up to Christmas. Would you be with us and equip us and send us out from this place in your grace and in your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to see you, 930 service. Amen. We'll see you again soon. God bless.